Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of Veach Season here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I am your host, Rocky Magani, and I am joined here with my colleague, Price Carter. And we're going to, this is our brand new draft podcast here over at Arrowhead Pride. And we're going to try to break down the draft for you guys and bring you some content that's hopefully, you know, enjoyable and entertaining while at the same time getting down the nuts and bolts of some of these prospects. And really kind of breaking down where they where they possibly fit with the Chiefs roster, where they don't fit with the Chiefs roster. If it's something that we want to pass on that we don't like, you know, we're going to talk about that too. Um, t- on today's very first episode, we're going to go over the roster and do a little bit of an overview of it and see where we're at right now. We'll go over positional needs. We'll also kind of talk about like what are the Chiefs going to do with pick thirty one, um, and you know, and whatever else really just comes to our mind. Like this is going to be. The People's Podcast of the Draft. This is Chiefs Kingdom's Draft Podcast. And so, you know, as you listen to it, as we move forward and we build this thing out, um, you know, your comments are going to be crucial to what kind of content that you want to hear in this as well. Because we're really, really trying to build this as a uh, as a podcast for the people for the draft, right? And so, without further ado, Bryce Carter, my main man, my amigo, my compadre, my, my draft aficionado. How you doing, brother? Well, I'm doing excellent, and as you said, it is Veach season. How appropriate the Veach season starts in February, right? That seems to be where we start measuring the Chiefs season anyway nowadays. Um, so, yeah, I think there is not a better time to be on a draft podcast in Kansas City than right now. As we look back to what the draft did for this roster and how dynamic every player was and the success that this team had. So, it's a great time to be breaking down the draft, and... The great news here is this was kind of the year, right, that we were gearing up towards. This past year, we were looking at things as, you know, filling some holes in the rosters with some rookies, relying on rookies, and they really cashed the chips really well there. So that just puts you in a great position for this draft here. Chiefs still have quite a few picks, a lot to break down. So we got a lot of work to do. Let's get down to it with Brett Veach here. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, and, and as we get off the, get off the, start out the top here, you know, one thing we really got to look at the, the chiefs roster heading into this draft is drastically different than it was last year. Last year, there was so much in limbo. You know, you had, you had what you had MVS as a wide receiver, really. And that was about it. And Michael Hardman, you know, you, you, you had lost Byron Pringle. You had lost to Marcus Robinson. Uh, you didn't know what was happening with OBJ and, and his contract at the time you had no secondary Traverius ward was was gone uh, uh, daniel Sorensen, praise the lord was gone honey badger was making business decisions that saw him get sent out of town as well right we had brought in justin reed but even he was an unknown to us 
to an extent, right? And so there was so much in this roster. There were so many question marks up and down this roster heading into last draft that Veach answered overwhelmingly. I mean, heck, he built a Super Bowl roster essentially with half of it the defense being rookies you know which is which is amazing i mean you don't hit on a draft picks like that you know in, in any other season there's no other gm does that than brett veach yeah and i think you know one thing that's good to look at it as a, a puzzle right this roster a super bowl roster isn't built in a day and honestly a super bowl roster it took little tweaks coming through all throughout the season including players like Kadarius tony right we're going to get little pieces of the puzzle as we come along here the first piece of the puzzle that we're going to get is going to be the um franchise tag deadline most people expect the chiefs to put the franchise tag on orlando brown again um that'll be kind of the first piece of the puzzle if for some reason they didn't it might be because there's an extension that's agreed to, or maybe they are truly planning on moving on from him. At this time, I'd be surprised if they did decide to move on from him. Then we get another piece of the puzzle with free agency, as you were talking about, right? We'll start getting an idea of what the Chiefs want to do with the roster through free agency. And then that leads us up to the draft. And then we'll get more pieces of the puzzle with some of those visits that they have where they bring prospects in, kind of get an idea of what they're thinking about on the roster. But it, it, the whole roster really c- comes together quite nicely through the offseason and one thing and, and we, we're going to start breaking down the roster here but one thing i think is nice about where the chiefs roster is right now is where some of the better free agents line up at is some of the holes that they have on the roster currently um this week i'm going to be writing about the safety position just kind of as an overview on the roster of where the safeties are there's a lot of positions that the chiefs can kind of check off their list as not a draft need just through free agency and what's currently on the roster so, um, yeah, I think, you know, as the, the pieces come together on this podcast, we'll be able to really kind of identify what the big draft needs are for this team. Yeah, 100%. And I think that you mentioned OBJ a, a few moments ago, and I think if you see the Chiefs franchise tag OB, Orlando Brown Jr. again, I think that that is an indictment of their opinion of left tackles in this class. I think that that means that they think that there's not a left tackle that's going to make it to them at 31, that anybody who else who's remaining at that point or within trade-up distance that's not going to cost them their entire draft and, and future draft picks are right tackles, right? Like, I don't think that – I think they don't think that there's an improvement at OBJ within striking distance to them in this class if, if they franchise tag him. Yeah, and you know, I think I think one thing that's interesting too is to kind of remember just how much movement happens with the draft board over time, right? There's players right now that we're not talking about that will probably end up going in the first round, and then there's probably some players that we're talking about right now who might not even be in the second round. You know, players fall, players rise. Uh, you know, the last kind of piece of the puzzle is going to be those combine scores and pro days. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's probably not far off. One thing to be spoken for, too, is just the continuity that exists in the offensive line. The Chiefs have an opportunity to at least have four, maybe even five of five of their starters back again. Offensive line, probably more than any other position in the league. Consistency, communication, it matters a lot with getting a repertoire or, you know, uh, a rapport with the offensive line together. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that's possible. And I also definitely think it's possible that tagging Orlando Brown doesn't necessarily mean that they're out of the left tackle market. Um, They might draft a guy that they want to play on the right side and move over to the left side eventually, or they might say, Hey, we're going to tag Orlando Brown here at left tackle and then try to go get a great right tackle, whether it be free agency or through the draft. And then, you know, if we have to help Orlando Brown on the left side, we've got a guy on the right side who can shut it down. 
So, yeah, it really kind of is interesting. Left tackle-wise, I don't, you know, I don't see – I think, you know, Broderick Jones is probably like the guy that has the best chance of falling to them. Um, I get him a couple of times, sometimes in mock drafts, but not often. And even him, I mean, there's still a lot of raw traits there with him. And honestly, he kind of profiles out a little bit like who they have at left tackle right now. Yeah, I think the, the thing with Broderick Jones is – and we'll talk about him a little bit more later, but – He's got more speed than Orlando Brown Jr., but he doesn't handle power quite as well as some other left tackles that we've seen or as well as Orlando Brown Jr. does. Um, But one thing kind of you make a good point there with Orlando Brown Jr. specifically about tagging him, not necessarily taking him out of the left tackle market now that I think about it. Because, you know, one thing we know about Brett Veach is when he enters into the draft, he doesn't like entering in the draft with gaping holes in his roster he wants to be able to draft best overall like that's that's brett veach's motto he wants to take the best overall guy and the way you do that is you you fill out your roster with passable players or solid enough players that that if you have to you know enter into a game with them tomorrow that they're not going to cost you the game like you're justin watson's for instance you know that we had that he signed last off season. And so, yeah, you know, he could tag OBJ. And then if he sees a tackle, a left tackle prospect or in the free agency, if somebody becomes available that he likes, you know, you could always sign him, draft him. And then you could, I mean, tag and trade is a thing for a reason, right? You know, like that doesn't mean that, 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 that OBJ is not a chip that he couldn't use to move and gain additional draft picks either picks either this year or next year if he wanted to or to move up in the draft to get a per somebody that he wants you know if there is somebody in the left tackle market so that's a good point yeah and you know like looking at the draft as a whole even the chiefs get caught off guard we you know sit here and run mock drafts and try to talk about every scenario they do that times 100 and even they were caught off guard by Trent McDuffie being on the board to them they couldn't believe that they were in reach of getting him and that's why they went up and got him right so it's totally possible that draft night happens and someone falls, you know, like we're all sitting here uh, praying like Peter Skoronsky, please have a pot mask on gas mask on or something. So you can fall to us so we can draft you. Um, I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. Right. But you know, I keep, you know, that was the joke last year is that we just kept hoping that, um, Oh, what's the, He's with the Lions. Jamison Williams. Like, Jamison Williams, please have a pot video that goes viral yeah. on, on draft night and fall to the Chiefs. But, yeah, I don't I – don't, you, you can't really foresee those type of things, but it can happen. So what the Chiefs just have to do is, like you said, they got to put themselves in a position that they could play a game if they had to. It might not be pretty, but they at least don't have any gaping holes because you just don't know what's going to fall to you. All right, so let's play a little game really quick. This is a, a tangent that we hadn't planned on, but I'm going to hit it with you anyway. This is a wild card. You ready? All right, who's the number one draft pick that you hope gets caught on Instagram smoking weed with Aaron Rodgers? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I see. Here's the thing: you got to pick a player that you know, like would would fall, right? So, like your Jalen Carters or something like that. They're not going to fall. Like someone would snatch them up by that. So it's got to be a player that's fringe enough to like possibly fall enough for the Chiefs. I, I think. Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's probably who, like, that's who I would love to see fall for the Chiefs because I think they would use him so well. And I think, like, with where the wide receiver core is for the Chiefs right now, it's so defined that, like, him in the slot would just, he would just eat with Andy. I mean, Andy would have him so clear and open all the time. And I would just love to get that weapon for Mahomes day one. They could hit it off. So I'm going to go with him. But, like, honorable mention, 
Michael Meyer, right? Like yeah. uh, the tight end out of Notre Dame. That would be great to have him get a couple of apprentice years with Kelsey, learn from the best. And then he's a, he's a solid blocker too. So he would have, um, you know, a role to fill there too. So those are going to be my two. You know, I, I, I can't disagree, especially with the Michael Meyer one. I mean, I think he's a future superstar in the league. And, and Andrew Kelsey, I mean, and Travis Kelsey is not getting any younger. You know, he's getting a little bit, a little long in the tooth, even though he's still getting it done. But he has enough gas in the tank that, you know, you could, you, he could sit there, come in, learn from him for a year or two while we're still getting great production from Kelsey. And, and I think one thing that that's, you heard Andy Reid say, after the Super Bowl, the reason why they love Juju Smith-Schuster so much is because they put another big body on the opposite side of the field who ran great routes and who was an offensive weapon that that they had that they couldn't double team Kelsey every single time on one side because they had to worry about Juju on the other side. And so I, I, that's essentially a two a two tight end set right there. You know, I mean, you you want to like these like tight ends today. Like I heard on the Athletic podcast, um, Dane Brugler said, you know. Like, like we keep on calling these guys tight ends. Everybody these days is just a big slot. Like they're all big slots. You know what I mean? And so if you can have a big slot on each side of the field, then uh, hell yeah. I hope they, I hope, I hope they all smoke weed. Like I hope that I hope <laughs> both of them smoke weed. I hope that Lucas Van Ness smokes weed. Just let everybody fall Justin Houston style to the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that, that stuff's getting a little bit more legal around here, so they might have to be smoking something a little bit harder for them to fall to the Chiefs nowadays. But yeah, I am glad you mentioned that podcast, by the way. Um, that, that was really insightful. The uh, It's the Athletic Football Show, but uh, Dane Brugler was on there, and they, they did some really kind of good breakdowns, kind of talking about we might need to reevaluate the way we look at positions, right? Like instead of stop, we, we do this with pass rushers and defensive linemen, right? Like it's edge versus interior. But they brought up, you know, maybe having different types of tight ends, like a slot tight end, um, and then even different types of wide receivers, right? Like you've got your classic X and your Y, and then kind of some of those gadgety players a little bit. But yeah, um, you know, just kind of looking at the roster, I kind of looking at like, what positions do you think probably have the biggest need? Um, to me, the ones that jump out the most are obviously going to be defensive line, tackle, and when I say defensive line, I mean both edge and interior. Uh, you've got Derek Naughty, who should be a free agent. He came back on a one-year deal. Colin Saunders is a free agent as well. Um, they've got quite a bit of need there on the edge. Like It's pretty imminent that Frank Clark is at least going to be cut. He could be brought back, but he's not coming back at his current cap number. Carlos Dunlap was a one-year deal. Um, so tackle, defensive line. Um, I, I would put safety up there as well, too, depending on your evaluation of Brian Cook. What about you, Rocky? So I think that safety is definitely um, a need, even though I am one of the biggest Brian Cook fans in the world. I'm a Brian Cook stand account through and through, but I think that the Chiefs use three safeties often enough that they need three quality safeties. Like they can't just get by with, with any old jag off the street at safety for their third safety because they bring them down in the box and they use them as a slot as a slot as a slot corner. They also kind of almost use them as a linebacker in the run game. They also blitz them as well. Um, they switch them in and out. They um, they will either put Brian Cook in the box or they'll bring. They love bringing Justin Reed in the box, but that's because Brian Cook's in the back, back end, right? If you have if you have somebody you don't trust in the back end, then they're not able to bring Justin Reed down in the box as much as they do and have him kind of play the ball. And so I think the safety is a huge is a huge need. Um, I think my number one need is defensive tackle right now. The more I look at it, um, obviously you have all world with Chris Jones, right? But other than that, you got Danny Shelton and Daniel Wise right now, who you know for sure is going to be there 
you know, come come next year. Um, on the edge, at least you you do have George Karloftis still, and you do still have Mike Dana, where if you had to roll with them, you could in a game. You don't want to. It's not going to be a strength. It's not something that's great. Um, you definitely want to upgrade there. And I would love to have Frank Clark back. Right? I mean, Frank Clark's still technically – you know, under contract, but I don't think there's anybody like you said who thinks that he's coming back at his thirty million dollar a year cap hit. He's just he just you just can't bring back Frank Clark at that number. Like it's 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 irresponsible, you know, to the team. Um and so I would say anywhere along the defensive line are probably our biggest needs. And then I would say on offense, probably your number one need is either another like like high high end tight end like you're talking like a Michael Meyer or trading for 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 one from somewhere else or a big a larger wide receiver a guy who can play X on the outside like a Quentin Johnson or I mean a Jonathan Mingo who you're not going to take necessarily in the first round or a Cedric Tillman or AT Perry or any of these like these guys who they may not be game breakers but they're a big body who can win on the outside because otherwise right now you got you got John Ross, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, and then you do have Marquez, Marquez Valdez Scantling. And, and and if if Justin Ross is healthy, you do have you do have Justin Ross, who who could be that person. And then Cornell Powell, who hasn't, who's now entering his third year. You can't you at this point. I don't think you can count on Cornell Powell to be anything more than a practice squad guy. You know, and so I think you got to have that bigger body wide receiver. Yeah, first off, I have to come clean on something. Um, I'm the one who mispronounced it first, but then I got you doing it. It's Michael Mayer, like the guy who runs a city. Michael Meyer, um, he might actually fall to the Chiefs if he runs around murdering people with a knife. Um, that one, he might actually fall to the Chiefs. So that was my mispronunciation. The tight end on Notre Dame, Michael Mayer. Uh, but very similar. Uh, that was my bad. Uh, but yeah, I think looking at the roster, one thing that I put a huge emphasis on, the trenches, like – Back when Andy was in Philly, and still to this day, Philly still builds their roster through the trenches, right? There's almost no situation that you could look at a great play. You know, if we're talking best player on the board, that there's a great player in the trenches, whether it be defensive line or offensive line, that you could say, we don't need that, right? You look at the Chiefs. They drafted Darian Kennard, but Joe Tooney is probably in his last year for Kansas City, looking at his cap number for the following year. If a great guard is sitting there, it's not entirely out of the question i don't think you have to take it off the board now i don't think that they would i think they'd probably look to trade down in that situation but if they're sitting there in your lap and you feel like you've got a top you know 20 30 player it's hard to say no but to me the thing that i look at the most for the chiefs this year as a major need is and i'm just going to call it a playmaker i want another player that teams fear i know that we feel really great about isaiah pacheco as a player but I don't necessarily think that he's a player that's keeping defenses up at night. I think that he served a great role, and I think he's very good for what the Chiefs need. They need a guy who can run downhill, hit the open gap, one cut and go. And Isaiah Pacheco's there, but you can become better at that position, wide receiver, tight end, whatever it is that you're looking for on offense. I think you know the Chiefs are about one Travis Kelsey back spasm away from really hurting on offense um, this coming year. We've liked what we've seen from Kadarius Toney, but his hamstrings, unfortunately, are the same hamstrings of Sammy Watkins. Hopefully, he can get get with Bobby Stroop and like get his hamstrings straightened out. But, you know, and, and Sky Moore, the, the way the Chiefs kind of played it this year with him, 
He's just a total unknown. Nothing would surprise me if he came out and had a great year next year, and nothing would surprise me if he didn't. You know, we were kind of talking pre-pod a little bit about the corndog play and corndog 2.0, but, like, part of that play is that he was in the wrong spot. It's like, oh, maybe that's why Sky Moore hasn't been finding the field a lot. So playmaker is a huge concern for me. It's just one that, like, if we're talking about and, you know, we'll do the thing. Don't worry. We'll do the thing. But if a, a terrific playmaker is sitting on the on the board, we'll just say – Bijan Robinson. If that player is sitting on the board at 31, it's really hard to say no to that because that is a player who breaks schemes. The Chiefs used to have two players like that. It used to be Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. That it didn't matter. Every team went into a game saying we're stopping those two two guys. The Buffalo Bills AFC Championship game. I remember them talking all week. You just got to shut down those two guys. They both went up for over 100 yards and two touchdowns or something ridiculous. It doesn't matter. You know, the Bengals, they, they slapped a little sign all week. Oh, we're going to stop Kelsey. Doesn't matter. Those are blue chip players. Those are game breakers. Those are guys that it doesn't matter what the scheme does. They go out and win one-on-one. And, you know, I used to be John Robinson with Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba or, you know, whatever player. Getting a playmaker like that I think is huge for this offense because Mahomes needs that to continue to be, you know, the quarterback that he has been to continue to have the overwhelming amount of riches he has as a quarterback with Andy Reid. And ultimately, I just think, you know, they need to give themselves Travis Kelsey insurance. Well, I 100% agree with you about B. John Robinson and any Chiefs fans who are out there that still have kind of uh, buyer's remorse over Clyde Edwards Hilaire and say, no, don't take a running back in the first round. It's not even a comparable situation. Yeah, it, you're not, it, it's, you're, it's really not. Yeah, you're not saying don't take another Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You're saying don't take Adrian Peterson. Like, like that's the level. Yeah. Not, they're not the same running back, but that's a level of talent that you're saying you're that don't that go ahead and pass on an Adrian Peterson level player or a, a possible Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders. We're talking. I think that B. John Robinson has it in him to be one of the greatest running backs of all time. And if you have that sitting there at number thirty-one, and you're not drafting a running back. You're drafting somebody who has the potential to be a future Hall of Famer. Positional value be damned at that at that point, I think. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, it, it, it's not a comparison. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a good college player. He really was. But also looking back at the receipts a little bit, right, he played on what might have been one of the greatest NFL, uh, college rosters ever. He was the fifth or sixth guy. that You know, that team had Terrace Marshall Jr., Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, a, you know, a one of the best quarterbacks in the league, several NFL offensive linemen. He was the forgotten guy in that offense. So, like, teams, yeah, I'm sure they were like, please, yeah, run Clyde Edwards-Alaire at us. And he's no doubt the injuries have made an impact on Clyde as a player. And he's not the same guy. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a fringe day one, predominant day two prospect that some people saw Mike climb up there. But no one really thought that he did. And, this, and, and you know, it, I don't think that Bijan's going to be there because I think some team's going to tempt themselves and they can't help themselves. But, man, if he is, this is a guy – that completely changes how the Chiefs offense operates, right? This is a team, this is a player that when defenses play you now, they say, we can't sit here too high. And that's something that the whole Chiefs season was centered around, right? How do we beat this? How do we counter what defenses are doing to us? And to their credit, they did a great job of it. But there's, there's, it, it's kind of one of those things like at what point is a player so good that we're, we're wasting value just because of positional value? Bijan Robinson, you know, depending on where you read and where you look as a top 10 player in this draft, maybe even top five, as far as the talent goes. So yeah, we, we don't have to get all the way down the rabbit hole of running backs here, but 
you know, just, just looking at it, I, I definitely think that running back is a position that they could go. Um, you've got Pacheco and, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is at a fashion show during the Super Bowl parade. It was a healthy scratch for the game. Not entirely sure about that whole situation. It wouldn't surprise me if he's playing somewhere else next year. I, they won't be picking up his fifth-year option this year. Um, Jarek McKinnon, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he retires. He's had an injury-littered career. Maybe he goes somewhere else and gets the bag. I wouldn't mind having him back just for his experience, but it's very obvious that he got worn down over the season. So definitely think that running back, is it's a position, but there's a lot of great names out there on day two and even day three that I think they could get some names for running back as well. So we don't have to do the Bijan thing, but if he's there. We don't have to do the Bijan thing to get a quality running back. And obviously they, they proved that, that last year. And this is a very running back rich draft, which I think why it's a lot of people say, well, why are you going to spend your first round draft pick on Bijan when there's so many quality running backs in the draft? And that's a valid point but like you said to your point that after isaiah pacheco we have clyde guaranteed back and that's it like like we could bring back jarek but even if we move clyde and clyde moves on to another place and, and we and when we bring back jarek then we have jerry O'Neilly as our number three back right you know you, you still got to have a third back in there somewhere and if jerry mckinnon's your third back you feel pretty good about it if he's your second back, you feel fine about it. But if you have a situation where you have Isaiah Pacheco and then and then another stud, and you have a situation like like the Cleveland Browns have had in the backfield with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you feel great. You feel great about at the end of the game in the second half, holding on to a lead, running the ball, and being able to shut it down. You feel great about about the Chiefs not being last in the league in third and one you know, you know, next season. I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate concern that the Chiefs have to address. And, they, and I think they did to an extent in the Super Bowl. They ran the ball fabulously in the Super Bowl. They stayed ahead of the chains. They didn't get themselves in bad down and distances. I mean, and so that's all great. But we're not talking about a one-game capsule right here. We're talking about a long season at, that gets, that's a grind. And there's going to be numerous different situations, playing outside in the cold, playing in the heat early on in the season. There's going to be situations where your running backs start to wear down and you have to have more than one up your sleeve in order to, in order to win football games. And so 100%, I think the Chiefs should take a running back. Yeah, and I mean, kind of going back to the, the puzzle analogy too, this is probably one of the most rich running back classes in free agency that's been out in quite some time. There's a lot of really good players out there who are probably not all going to get the deals that they want. So maybe the Chiefs let that market play to themselves. Again, it's kind of like a... You know, the flex seal meme where they slap the, the tape on and stop the water flowing. Brett Veach can do that with a couple of positions through free agency, right? You go out and get uh, like a Rashad Petty. I know that he's out there. I don't expect them to be in the market for some of the really big names that are out there. But there's a lot of players they go out that would be an upgrade over what they currently have. Pay them a little bit over market value. The Chiefs have that cap flexibility. And then you can just cross running back off the list. So, you know, and I, I think that they are very pleased with what they've gotten from Pacheco. And the good news is there is he has a full offseason now to be in the offense, to train for being an NFL player rather than training to do well at a combine or a pro day or something to get himself drafted. So there's some, you know, there's some good returns there. And I, I do think Pacheco could carry the workload. There's a, a lot of times that he got hit really hard and, you know, they call him pop for a reason. He's just back up and, um, you know, so I, I do think that there's reasons to be encouraged there. But, yeah, running back is definitely a place I could see them going. Yeah, 100%. And speaking of running back, so we're going to shift gears here just a little bit. Um, Eric Bieniemy, 
has moved on to Washington Commanders as their assistant head coach and new offensive off, offensive coordinator. So it, the, the assumption is that Matt Nagy is going to be stepping in and taking over the reins of the Chiefs offense as offensive coordinator working with Andy Reid. Does Eric Bieniemy moving to Washington and being replaced by Matt Nagy change your draft approach at all? Well, I think when you go back and look at Nagy's time, one of the things that kind of jumps out to me, just reflecting on his time there, is he actually was a little bit more run heavy than Andy has been in the past. Um, you know, you think back to that was kind of like David Montgomery time, Mitch Trubisky were kind of the main guys there. Um, but Matt Nagy utilized the RPO game a lot more. Now, one thing to remember, too, with Nagy is the NFL and kind of how it's been played has honestly changed quite a bit since he departed from Kansas City, right? He departed from Kansas City right around the time that Mahomes took over. Um, he left and went to Chicago. The RPO RPO game was really something that kind of just hit the NFL. So I don't necessarily know if that will transfer back into the offense. All I could say about that is if the RPO element does come back, I don't really see that being a huge I think the pieces are all in place there if that's if that's the one true change, right? The offensive line, the RPO kind of puts them in a hard place because they're coming up not knowing if they're pass blocking or run blocking. So they got to kind of be careful about where they are as far as the line of scrimmage. I think they've got the guys there. Um, the only thing I could say that, you know, maybe changes is maybe they do go continue more with this kind of heavy personnel that they have with this 11, 12, and 13 personnel that they've been running. And Andy's been putting that on tape. All year, right? They've been showing that. And to their credit, down 10 in the Super Bowl, they came out and kept using it. So maybe, you know, if you've got a tight end on the on the board that's a plus blocker, maybe you give him the, the kiss there a little bit because of Nagy. But honestly, I, I don't foresee a lot of changes. This is Andy's offense. And I, I love having Nagy's input. I love having another guy on the staff who's been a head coach, who's managed a game, who can say like, hey, like, you know, like, let's call a timeout here or, you know, like, let's you know, kick this short instead of kicking it long or, you know, whatever. I just think it's really helpful to have another person who can, who's also managed a game on the sideline to help Andy and the players. Yeah. And, and I think that the chiefs, even this year, they kind of early on, they ran a little bit of RPO stuff, but they kind of went away from it. Once I think Creed Humphrey had like three, like three illegal man downfield penalties because Mahomes holds onto the ball so much. And so, Creed Humphrey thinks that he's handed the ball off or he's ran with it, but then Mahomes decides to pull it back and, and pass it instead. And next thing you know, Creed Humphrey's five yards <laughs> downfield and is a legal receiver downfield. And, and, you know, and it's just like it, the whole thing's a mess. And so I think that the aggression of our offensive line doesn't really lend itself to, to the RPO game very much. And I think that Andy Reid's kind of recognized that to an extent. And so, yeah, so I don't, I don't know how much the RPO game will play, you know, with Matt Nagy. Um, it could play big time. Like, you know, we, we really don't know because we haven't seen Nagy in a while. We haven't seen Nagy since he was a head coach, you know, with with the Bears. Um, but one thing is for certain is that the Chiefs were more methodical this year in their offensive approach with spreading the ball around, with their depth of target, with their concepts. You know, it wasn't just, you know, F it, Tyreek's down there somewhere, you know, and pray anymore. It was like, it was okay. Come line of scrimmage, see what they're doing. You know, check to check to a different formation. Call the hot hot read. You know, Mahomes, Mahomes has really turned into the much more of a cerebral player, I think, in the last twelve months, and he's had to because of the shift of the of the roster last season. And so I, I almost feel like 
they're going to lean into it, right? They're going to lean into it, and this is going to be the new version of the offense that we see moving forward. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and uh, you know, kind of going back to the playmaker thing that I talked about, I, I, I do think that's something that the offense needs to get back on. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, when he was in Green Bay, was really kind of a, a vertical weapon. And he, he did that for Kansas City, but they never really hit him on that house call right? That deep post. He, he never really caught that for a touchdown. The Chiefs offense was explosive in a different way this time. You know, they, they kind of let, they still were at the top of the league in those 15 plus yard plays or 20 yard plus plays. I can't remember what they defined as explosive, but they, they, they definitely need to get more dynamic in the long game. And I think down the field is a place that there's a lot of room for improvement. You start talking about some players there. You're talking about like Jalen Hyatt, who has some of the best speed in, in the draft. Josh Downs is another name that comes to mind at wide receiver. And I definitely think like you can take a player like that and still keep Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the roster. I don't think it's going to be an either-or thing. Looking at I know that some people have hypothesized about his, uh, his contract and how he's kind of palatable to cut if you wanted to but at 10 million dollars a year for a receiver that had like 700 yards this year a couple touchdowns to me that's kind of hard to argue with with the continuity and everything I think you know you're probably looking at a situation where it's either him or Juju I don't think both are back on new on their current deals or new deals so I think you know there's a good chance that the Chiefs are looking to replace what Juju brought to the offense and then trying to add some not necessarily Marquez Valdez-Scantling I think that you're. I think you're right, especially with Juju. Juju, I would love to have Juju back, but I'm not sure if it's realistic at this point. I think listen to Juju after the Super Bowl. He wants to get paid. He's earned a paycheck playing a full healthy season, winning the Super Bowl. Spot track is generally undershoots it a little bit on 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 what a contract value is going to be for a guy on the open market, especially a wide receiver. And they have him at $14.7 million a year for four years. So we're talking about like, he's probably going to get four for 60 somewhere around in there. And I don't know if that, that might be too rich for the chiefs blood at this point uh, where for what Juju is and how they want to build their, how they want to build their roster. Um, moving forward a little bit, when you when you when you build out your roster in the draft, right? You know, so the Chiefs the Chiefs had three picks within the top one hundred. They had the thirty first overall pick because Miami forfeited their pick, right? And so, and so looking at it, when you thank you Miami, thank you 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 made it the best think, season to ever I, win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I love yeah I love hearing forfeited just forfeited for something that they didn't even get. Not even Tom Brady didn't play a down of football for them. I <laughs> never will either. Oh man, it's great. I love it. You know what, yeah. Miami? You deserve every bad thing that happens to you. And I and I'm and I'm not afraid to say that. Um so when you're drafting though, do you do you draft are you more of a draft best available or a position of need or see kind of in between the two? 
And then second part to the question, it's a two-part question. You ever notice whenever in the whenever those those guys at the press conferences are always like, I have a two-part question, you know. Well, it's because like, the poor guys the poor guys get the <laughs> mic ripped out of their hands. Like you ever listen to a full press conference? Like they get like three questions in and then the media guys like couple more guys, couple guy, couple more. Yeah. So yeah, those poor guys gotta get those all in. <laughs> so two-part question. Do you draft best available or a position of need or a hybrid of the both? And are you more of a traits guy or a production guy? So I 95% of the time I'm going to lean to best player available. Um, you know, I think the only play, play position that you're probably maybe discounting that a little bit is going to be if quarterback, if you're set at quarterback, or maybe quarterback's not the best position on the board, but you're a quarterback needy team. Um, and then I, I'm always going to be draft athletes. Like that's draft athletes, draft skill, draft talent. Um Production is one of those things that I think at times can be overrated. There's there's a human element to football, right? We can sit here and look at the stats and where they lined up in the slot and their blitz percentage and all these things. We can look at all those things. At the end of the day, you're dealing with people too. And as much as I want to say, like you can, you, it's either this or that. There, there's a shade of gray there between you know production or um, talent. I think at the end of the day part of what's going to be looked at that needs to be evaluated is the situation, right? If a player is transferred schools a couple of times for various reasons, they've got a world of talent and it's not translating to the field. You can kind of see the reason why you can also talk a little bit about like, Hey, this guy, um, you know, Quentin Johnston comes to mind when we're talking about this as a guy that a lot of people had maybe as a top five, top 10 pick going into this year, um, kind of thought of an all world wide receiver, him and Jordan Addison. And, Quentin Johnston really struggled this year, part of it because Max Dugan is just not a great thrower of the football. He did some really great things, and that team went really far, but there's a lot of plays that you look at with Quentin Johnston that he's just – it's a ball that he can't get to, you know, and he's running wide open. So I'm going to lean – like I'm I'm always a draft athletes type of person. You draft freak freak athletes, their raw athleticism, you get them in a good – and especially as a Chiefs fans, right? Like I believe in our coaching staff. I believe in the talent development that they have. Leo Chanel is kind of was my favorite player from the draft this year. And I love him because he's a freak athlete. Like he's a 99% athlete. You saw him jump up that bus. Um, I love seeing that. That was great. And like he has the skill that it's going to take time to develop. But if you look at him as a player, there's so much upside left there. And yes, he, he did kind of coincide with product productivity and, and it's pretty easy to look at these players as you've got the top 100 Everything outside the top 100, you're really kind of guessing anyway. So you might as well gamble on the freak athlete. You've got great – there's plenty of great examples of it working and not working. Like Nick Bolton was not one of those guys. Like he's kind of like a 52, 53% athlete, but incredible leadership skills, great productivity at Mizzou. You're talking SEC football, and it translated, right? Like he's making big plays for the Chiefs. And then you've got players who are also great examples of freak traits – with like Chris Conley, like when Chris Conley came to the Chiefs, he was a Georgia wide receiver. You're thinking, okay, like this guy's played at Georgia. He wasn't the main starter. He jumped right out of the gym. Great athlete, you know, 99th percent athlete, and it just never translated. So there, there's kind of examples of both. I think ultimately what you do is if you believe in your coaching staff, you you try to take the best player available if they're on the board, and you lean towards the traits, especially in the later part of the draft, because those are the things you can't teach. You can't teach six six. You can't teach four two speed. You can coach up the other stuff. A hundred percent. You can coach up the other stuff, and and I think I think I'm more of a traits guy 
as well um, to an extent, right? Like if the guy looks completely lost on film, like he's never played the game before, then I'm going to be out on him, right? Like like Isaiah Foskey for Notre Dame, I'm honestly, I'm out on him because I watched two of his games on all 22 and the guy looks like he's never played football before three quarters of the time. And even though he, he's, he's a great athlete, I think there's been two or three yeah, seasons he's, just getting he's him struggled up to speed. at the senior day. Yeah, he was not good. He was not good on tape. There was games where his back was to the running back, and the running back was running past him on the field, and his back was completely turned to the running back. Like it's like a guy of his size and his speed and his and his athletic skill level that should never happen to. Um, and so I am a traits guy to an extent. If I see the traits on film, like if I can see the traits on film with pads on, then there I am. If I only see the traits at the combine. Then I then I'm then I'm I don't I don't believe it I don't believe it if I don't see it in a game I think that the I think that the combine is there to confirm what you've already seen on the football field and my that's just my opinion like if a guy looks strong on the football field and he goes out and throws up 28 reps on the bench press and I say yeah that makes sense the dude looks like a monster on the football field but if the guy goes to the goes and only throws up eight reps on the bench press and he looks so so on the field I'll say yeah look this guy looks weak on the football field so. I think that if I can see it in pads and then I see it at the combine, then I believe it. Um, so that being said, let's just kind of, let's kind of move forward. Let's think about the draft a little bit. Um, drafts in Kansas city, Kansas city. This is the biggest, this is going to be the biggest year in chiefs football. I think if you take it from super bowl Sunday to parade coming up to the draft, being in Kansas city, Kansas city is front and center in the football world for the next couple of months. Yeah, dude, Clark Hunt is going to go full goblin mode like that weekend. Like, because, you know, his family and everything they've done from the NFL, he's been glowing about the NFL draft being in Kansas City all along. Oh, by the way, you're the last pick in the first round, the Super Bowl champion. Like, he is going to be on cloud nine that whole week. So, I will, I, I'm just trying to decide what night I want to go. If I'm going to go both nights, the first day and the second night, um, or, you know, do I pick one? Honestly, sitting around all day for pick number 31 could feel kind of long, but the second day is also my favorite day because there's so many great players taken. Yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly excited. Yeah, looking at their draft capital, just kind of what do the Chiefs have? The Chiefs have a total of 12 picks again this year, which is very exciting. Um, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that not every one of these seventh round picks turns into Isaiah Pacheco and Jalen Watson. We can have some... Um, probably some finesse that needs to exist here in the draft. The Chiefs had a tremendous draft this year. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the case this year. A lot of times, seventh round, sixth round picks, they don't, they may not even make the roster out of camp. Generally speaking, you want those top 100 guys to hit and those to be your, you know, guys who are going to be on the team for the full length of their contract. Everything outside of there is kind of, kind of a Hail Mary a little bit. There will be players drafted in the fifth round that some teams had as a UDFA. Basically, what you're doing there in those fifth, sixth, seventh rounds is you're trying to get players that you don't want to have to compete for UDFA contracts. Um, undrafted free agents, they their contract negotiation process is different. If you don't want to shell out the bucks there, um, you can get them on a cheaper contract. So like Isaiah Pacheco is a great example. Chiefs wanted to get him. He's basically making about the bare minimum you can make in the NFL salary-wise, whereas someone who's a UDFA, if they would have had to compete with him, um, they might have been ending up paying him more. Uh, but going back to the Chiefs, total 12 picks. They've got three inside the top 100. Pick 32, 64, 96. Those are all their own. Pick 123 is from the Dolphins via the Tyree Kill trade. They've got pick 135 and 169. 
Those are um, so they've got two fourth rounders, a first, second, third, two fourths. They've got a fifth, a sixth via Miami. So that's pick one ninety eight. Then they've got a couple of compensatory sixth round picks. They've got three seventh round picks. So all they need to do is draft like three more Isaiah Pacheco's and Jalen Watsons, and we're we're set. That's it. That's all you gotta do is draft three more Isaiah Pacheco's Not hard, and Jalen right? Watson. They just and did lay it. Off, lay off the Cornell Powells and the uh, and the Nazi Johnsons. That's uh, how hard is it, Brent Veach? Look, we've solved. Look, that's why this is called Veach season because we were out here solving Veach's problems for him. You know, in the moment, on the fly. Um, but that being said, with the with the draft being in Kansas City, draft. Um, yep. Go. What do you got? Oh, I was just going to say, draft good players. Analysis. Yeah. Yep, analysis. Draft. Brett Beach, listen up. If you're listening right now, which I know you're not, but if you are, our advice to you is to draft quality football players who love to play the game and who are good teammates and play hard. That's our that's our official draft analysis over here at Beach Season. Um, no, but all kidding aside, um, this seems like the way that this draft board seemed to fall, this would seem like the I- ideal year to trade back into the second round if you're sitting there at 31 as the Chiefs. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to do that. I think come hell or high water, Clark Hunt was on record last year at the, at the draft saying, we're hosting the draft. We have to make a pick in the first round. I told Brett Veach, you can do whatever he wants, but he can't trade our first round draft pick because I want us to make a pick in Kansas City. So that being said, if you if 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 you can't move back, then you may move forward. I think, and that's just my own personal opinion. I think that we're we have twelve picks, three in the top one hundred. We have that second fourth round draft pick. I think that if there is a guy who starts to slide, that the Chiefs have higher on their draft board, a la Trent McDuffie. Um, because the whole NFL was drunk apparently that night and they let Trent, Trent McDuffie slide into the to 20. Like that was the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. I had a top 10 grade on him and that's where he should have been taken because he's a stud. But that being said, I think that we may see the chiefs make a move up in the draft because they're not going to go back. I don't think. And so, um, yeah, I, so looking at the draft, you know, I, I would really love for the chiefs to trade down. I think just looking at the value, looking at what they have talent-wise, you want to cash it. You want to get as many lottery tickets as possible. We think back to some of the best drafts that the Chiefs have had recently. You think back to the draft in twenty nine or twenty twenty, where they had Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey, and they you know two second round picks that came in and made ter- tremendous impact right away. Um, I, I really don't want that Clark Hunt thing to be true, but also it does kind of make sense, especially how we just talked about him at the draft and how excited he's going to be, and also the Chiefs being able to stand there, have all those Chiefs fans cheering on that on TV on the last pick. There's just so many great players that are going to be right at that level for the Chiefs. You would love to see them be able to double dip in the second round and, and go get a couple. Um, as far as trading up goes, and, and this also goes for the trade down, right? Like you got to have a dance partner, right? I I think back to the draft with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. The word on the street was that the Chiefs did want to trade down, but once Jordan Love was drafted, the phones went cold. Teams know the same thing that the Chiefs know, that there's a lot of great players sitting there at day two. And they're honestly, the only situation I see that the Chiefs have someone to trade down with is going to be if like Anthony Richardson is sitting there, like he figures to be the last quarterback taken or maybe like, you know, we talked about Bijan Robinson. He's a player that maybe some, some teams see 
Like this, like I, I could think of a team like Detroit, right? Like Detroit's got a, a offensive we- weapons all over the field, but maybe they've got the capital to say, "Hey, like I want to go up and get you know our game breaker running back." Chiefs get their you know their second round pick and then something else. Like that, that'd be a good example of a team maybe going up for another player besides Anthony Richardson. That's kind of what happened with Lamar Jackson when he was drafted. A team, uh, the Ravens traded back into the first to get him to get that fifth year option because that's really the the value of pick thirty one is having the fifth year option. So I'm always going to be team trade down. Um, I love mock, doing mocks with having the Chiefs trading down. But ultimately, there's a good chance that they probably are picking at 31. And like you said, maybe even a slight chance that they're picking higher than that. And the only reason why I say picking higher than that is that, and obviously I think I don't think that Clark Hunt, we, we know Clark Hunt's not a micromanager. Let's Brett do his job and everything. But it wouldn't surprise me if, Brett Veach wanting to make Clark Hunt happy because they do have such a great working relationship knows. Can you imagine? Just imagine the draft is at Union Station. Uh, the Chiefs are supposed to be picking the last pick of the night. It gets to pick 26, and all of a sudden it flashes on the screen. Chiefs have moved up to pick number 26. The whole crowd's going to go wild. It's going to be such a people pleaser for the crowd who's there in the game. It's going to look so great on television for Chiefs fans just going nuts because the Chiefs have, mo- have moved up to make a move that I think that they're going to be tempted to do something like that. Like I just because of the visual of it and just because it's going to be such a crowd pleasing move that they that, that if there's somebody there that they like, they're not going to be hesitant to pull the string on it. Yeah, and I, I think one thing to remember too is last year the trade up they were leveraging some of those um, extra thirds and fourths that they had in the Tyreek Hill deal. I don't have it here in front of me, but the Chiefs at this point, if they are going to be trading up, they're really kind of out of great picks to go and do that. It's pricey to move up in the first round, correct? So they would be giving something up. It's no longer, um, you know, kind of like that thing where it's it's birthday money or it's Christmas money that you were gifted. Like, oh, it's not real money. Like someone just gave this gave me this money. It's no longer birthday money. It's it's your own money. It's your own paycheck that those draft picks are going to be coming out of, and it's got to be the right player. You know, moving. And we can kind of get into this a little bit, but just looking at the board overall, it, it's really hard to get excited about trading up for edge five or offensive tackle, offensive tackle number four. You know, the wide receivers position, I could see it a little bit if they really are infatuated with Jordan Addison or Quentin Johnston. You know, some of those players have been talking about falling. Maybe it's Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice. Those are also names in the first round. Um Maybe they've got a guy that they really love, which I, I could see, and they feel like, hey, we want to get in front of the Bills. We want to get in front of the Bengals. Those are some teams that I could see possibly thinking about wide receiver again, um, depending on what they do with T. Higgins and Cincinnati. Um, I, I could see them doing that, but ultimately, you know, I, I think that they've kind of shown their hand a little bit about what they're doing here. They're, they're rolling those picks over, and anything they can do to try to trade down, they should probably do in the first round, but we shall see. Speaking of pick number 31 rocky why don't we list off some of our draft crushes for pick number 31 these aren't the guys that we necessarily think they'll take there's a lot of time left but i want to talk about some of the players that you've got your eyes on that could be potential pick number 31s to kansas city yeah so i'm going to give you three guys right three guys that i think who are going to be there at 31 who if they did trade back might be there at 35 as well you know or 38 but we're picking at 31 in this scenario, the chiefs don't trade back. The chiefs don't trade up. We're picking at 31. I think that 
my, my first guy off the bat I, I've just fallen in love with throughout this process is Tennessee right tackle Darnell Wright. Now, this guy is just a man who is built like a very large tree trunk who also moves pretty well. There is no getting around him. I have watched I all the all the all 22 that I've watched this year. I've tried to compare watch them all against Tennessee's offensive line as much as possible if I'm if I'm doing edge rushers because I think Darnell Wright is such a great offensive lineman that if they beat him then I'm like okay well then they must be really good cuz they just beat Darnell Wright. Well guess what? I watched Will Anderson Jr. get swallowed up. Will Anderson Jr. is edge one, maybe even pick top three in this draft, maybe pick one if Chicago sits where they stays where they are, and he could not get past Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright swallowed up him, and he just literally just every time he tried to get around him and bend around the edge or move inside, Darnell Wright just just stood there, grabbed him, pushed him back. Did what just did whatever he wanted with him. So Darnell Wright at pick number 31 is my first guy. Second guy is edge rusher out of LSU, BJ Ojulari. Now, this is a guy who is not a finished product whatsoever, but he has the athleticism. He's not big. He's only like 6'3, 250, something like that. He's not an overly large edge rusher, but he's very athletic. We talked about the traits, right? The traits are there to be a great pass rusher. He just needs to refine his skills. But in the meantime, he is a plus run defender. He is a guy where if the he seals the edge pretty well. He keeps containment, and he can get back inside and fill up the running lanes. That like you can't really run to his side. And so, if you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to pass rush great right out of the gates. At least stop the run. And so that's okay. I'm good with that. And then my third guy is Keanu Benton, who is um, defensive tackle um, out of Wisconsin, and he literally like. He is a very, very, very poor man's Chris Jones, in my opinion. He plays with power. He can move an offensive guard just out of the way and blow up through the line. He slips through the, between between uh, blockers on a double team, you know, almost effortlessly. He's got a lot of juice off the snap. He's a big, strong, powerful defensive tackle. So, I mean, those are my three guys right off the bat. Um, and if the Chiefs take any three of them, I am super happy. What about you? Who are who are who are some guys we'll just, that you're wetting your whistle over? <laughs> well, just looking back at your picks a little bit, you know, Darnell Wright. One thing that I really liked about him, just kind of his valuation. Now, take these, you know, with a grain of salt. Everyone retweets PFF scores when it's convenient for them, but yells at them when they don't. But PFF had Darnell Wright as their fourth overall pass blocker in all of college football this year. Ninety nine grade, uh, ninety eight grade on his pass blocking tremendous pass blocker um he was a huge riser at the senior bowl right um people love seeing that in the practices people were buzzing about him um i, I you actually stole bj ojolari from me like i wrote him down and like ended up having to change it because i saw him on the show sheet ojolari right the he brings something to the Chiefs pass rush that they do not have they do not have a guy who wins with speed you've got you know the effort and the power of Carl Aftis, you've got the technique with Frank Clark, you've got the interior rush with Jones, but they don't have a guy who can just go around the edge. That's the type of player that the Chiefs could absolutely use. Concerns me a little bit because he doesn't meet those spags thresholds of the length with the arms and the height. However, it seems that Joe Cullen's been doing some different things with the defensive line. I would love to see Joe Cullen get him on there. And again, when we talk about traits, you can't teach that bend. You can't teach that speed that Ojolari has. He just needs to get an NFL weight room and put on about 15 pounds of muscle because he still struggles with some power blockers, which could be a problem in the NFL. Right now, he definitely profile as just like a pass rush specialist. And then over time, 
develop into the player that you want him to be as a true four down linebacker. And yeah, like Keanu Benton, he's a player that honestly wouldn't surprise me if he snuck up into the first right now. Most people have him as a day two guy, but you're looking at a guy who is just an absolute animal. He's a brawler. He's got great run, you know, run stuffing ability has the upside with the pass rush. And I love drafting those guys who have been defending the run in the big uh in the big 10 right like those those guys like I, I have a guy on my list too that's a big 10 run defender because you know if they're doing it in the big 10 they can do it anywhere um for me pick 31 cr- crushes here so i've got i went with you kind of the interior defensive lineman Massey smith interior from michigan tremendous run, run stuffer dominant physical strength heavy hands with a strong push he has a strong bull rush that's kind of his pass rush move uh, so he's got some upside there. He's had about 400 snaps in the B gap. So he would work really good next to Chris Jones with the way defenses want to play in the modern NFL. A guy who is a true run stopper is, is incredibly important because you're trying to play those lighter boxes. That's part of what makes the Bengals so good. Is they have that defensive tackle that can still shut down the run. The chiefs did nothing in the run game in the AFC championship, despite them playing light boxes. Um, with Mazzy Smith, there's a little bit of uh, lack of get-off from him. Like, sometimes he's a little bit late to the snap. He does have some smaller arms as well, so sometimes he struggles shedding blocks. Michigan, again, that Big Ten run defender, he's a guy that I think would look great next to Chris Jones. Um, kind of going back to my hypothesis about playmaker, my next draft crush, Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah. So Kincaid, honestly, is probably a little bit small to be an NFL tight end. He would be one of the smaller starting tight ends in the NFL right now. He started his career at San Diego this past year. He transferred to Utah, which we know was a very successful college program this past year. 890 yards with eight touchdowns this year. When you look at Kincaid, you you honestly might be confused if he was a wide receiver or a tight end. I love that for him. We talk about how Travis Kelsey is really kind of a receiver rather than just a true tight end. He played over 200 snaps in the slot. His movement is fluid. He attacks the ball in the air, which is something that I love. So he plays a little bit bigger than his size. He is still a useful blocker. To me, honestly, this sounds a lot like Noah Gray that we're talking about here. Um, one kind of knock against him is he is 24, so um, kind of an older prospect. Sometimes the Chiefs have strayed away from him, uh, from older prospects like that. But he's only been playing football since 2017, so he's still kind of young in his football career. Pass catching upside is higher than Gray. Honestly, uh, when I look at him, I see a lot of like Greg Dulcich. Um, which was drafted by the Broncos last year, um, player that I really liked and would just really develop well with Travis Kelsey and really be able to spell Kelsey and help him kind of head into the latter part of his career and be able to have someone that can take some of those snaps from him. Last player here, this guy might be the test when it comes to traits over productivity. It's Keely Ringo, corner out of Georgia. Uh, Ringo was a two-year starter. He was honestly thought of going into the season as probably corner number one in the draft. Um, he is just a freak athlete, and he's probably honestly going to be the buzz of the combine when he gets out there because of his speed. He, uh, you're not going to see this guy beat vertically. Now, the issue is, is he does get beat with his mind. He is kind of all over the place. He's a very explosive player. So sometimes he tends to bite on things. He gets out ahead of himself a lot of times. Um, he's definitively an outline outside corner, which is something that Chiefs could definitely use because of his lack of technique and some lack of fluidity in his hips. He might not be a press corner. Definitely someone you might want to be up off the ball a little bit. However, 
if he is getting hit near the ball, he has great productivity. He's shown some great traits with the ball in his hand and also getting the ball when it's thrown his way. He's getting his hands on it and intercepting it. Um, Ringo is, is, is going to be a really divisive player in the draft. He is honestly someone that I could definitively see there being at 31. There's a lot of great corners that are probably going to be taken in front of him. There's been some risers here of late. Ringo is a guy that... To me, he seems like a classic Chiefs player. He's got all the traits. He's got the length that Spags loves. And the Chiefs are kind of like the elevator of corner play, right? Like the Chiefs are, they have just this corner factory where they just keep putting guys in like, hey, what if this time we try a seventh rounder? I, I mean, I know we just like made a, a Pro Bowl level player out of a fourth round player and a third round corner, but what if we just like try this? So Trent McDuffie, Keely Ringo, you start building that safety and uh, safety and corner room up. It, it it could be the real strength of this defense. So those are my three guys. Definitely could see more names being there, but I would not be upset with any of those guys coming to Kansas City. Oh my gosh, I I would be happy with any three of those guys. The thing with Mozzie Smith, my only my only hesitation is that it seems like he takes some some plays off. That being said, uh, that was the same knock with Chris Jones early in his career when coming out of college as well. And you know what? Uh, locker room accountability and having a guy like uh, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes who aren't afraid to call you out on the sideline and say, hey, lock in, let's go. Uh, it seems to change that in a lot of guys' instances. So if, if Mozzie Smith was going to go to anybody in the first round, I think that the Chiefs locker room may be the place for him to go. Um, Keely Ringo, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. I think I have him as one of my top five cornerbacks in this draft and this is a very quarterback deep draft um so so cornerback five in this draft is still really really good i might have him as high as cornerback four though um and so i'm a i'm a big 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 fan of keely ringo um that being said you know we're going a little long on time here so uh what any final thoughts price what do you got what final thoughts to leave us with this week in this very first you know inaugural edition of each season what you got for us um, like I said, I, I think really the only thing to kind of look forward to, I think we've got about another week or so before we get that um, franchise tag deadline. That'll be kind of the first real piece of news. But I mean, just go out there and consume draft content. Like that's the thing. You're never gonna you're never gonna understand it or care about it until you start reading about it. So subscribe to PFF, subscribe to the Draft Network, hit up Arrowhead Pride for all of our draft shows. It makes it way more fun. And maybe you know sometimes. You hop in a mock draft and you feel kind of stupid because you don't really know these players. That's the only way you're going to get to know these players better. Whenever you draft a player, like, okay, well, you know, let's see what Rasheed Rice is about. Let's, you know, read about him. Let's learn more about the players. Um, but honestly, dude, like, I'm just so hyped for this draft season, and I'm just excited for the combine to get around here and see those raw athletic scores. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait for those raw athletic scores. I live, I live for the Razzes when they come out. Yeah. Um, each year on each player like I mean like like you talked about Leo Chanel earlier in the in the show I mean Leo Chanel's Raz is off the charts like he is just freak athlete yeah it's what made Jordan Davis somehow become a first round pick only playing 13 snaps a game you know like you you start getting a defensive tackle a guy that size moving that fast that athletic the traits that you know they can carry you Yep, 100%. And so, all right, so we're going to get out of here. Thank you very much, everybody, for checking us out on our very first inaugural edition of Beach Season. Hopefully, we've earned the honor and the privilege of you checking out our new, our next episode, which will drop next Monday as well. We'll be we'll be dropping a new episode every single Monday um, until the draft. Um, and so we're going to have a whole lot of fun doing this. 
Uh, me and Price are here just to bring you guys the best content we can and do the best job we can each and every time. And each, each time trying to level it up a little bit more each week. Uh, just a little bit of in-house news here. There is no editor show this week. Uh, Pete and John have earned a very, very well-deserved week off from the editor show. So they will, there's no editor show this week, but starting next week, they'll be back every single Wednesday with their, you know, top of the charts editor show. And then um, every single Friday, also our own Ron cop jr. Will be bringing you a Friday AP draft room uh, podcast as well. So we have two, we have two draft podcasts coming out each week. We have each season in the AP draft room with Ron cop jr. And then on top of that, pay attention to everything we got coming out of arrowheadpride.com As we ramp up to the draft, we'll be breaking down prospects. We'll be breaking down film. We'll be breaking down positional needs. We'll be given possibilities of, of ideas that each might be doing as we move forward to the draft. Um, and, 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 and more than anything else, we need five-star reviews. Go on, leave us a five-star review. And you know Pete will read it on the AP Editor Show. Um, thank you so much. This has been a great time, and we'll talk to you guys next week.